I'd like to uh, begin just by reading a couple of verses from um, 2 Samuel 23, which is one of the readings uh, on the plan for today. I always like to have a look through and see if there's anything that's inspiring for the day. Um, 2 Samuel 23. These are the last words of David. The oracle of David, son of Jesse, the oracle of the man exalted by the Most High, the man anointed by the God of Jacob, Israel's singer of songs. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, When one rules over men in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings the grass from the earth. Is not my house right with God? Has he not made with me an everlasting covenant, arranged and secured in every part? Will he not bring to fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire? And it just struck me what a contrast and what a beautiful little phrase that is. Contrast with uh, how we see most of the nations of the world being ruled today. When one rules over men in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he's like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings the grass from the earth. It's just fresh, isn't it? It's just beautiful in comparison. Um, so I'd like us to begin by uh, singing a couple of songs in praise of, of our God. And the first is from praise Lord number 52, which we'll sing a couple of times and then... Um, We'll sing our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our Father, God of David, God of the songwriter, you are our, our God too and our, our Father. And we thank you that, that you love us that you created the whole world, the whole universe, something beyond our comprehension, yet you know and you love each one of us. And this morning, Father, on this beautiful sunny day, um, when we've, we've been able to come together to meet uh, with our family here uh, to worship you, we, we want to do just that. We want to come before you and offer you our worship and our praise. And Father, we invite you to, to be here and to fill us this morning with your spirit. We pray that you will bless us and that we'll each know your presence this morning. Um, and as we listen to your word and to the words that Andrew will speak, um, and as we sing together and as we sit in quiet in your presence, we, we pray for your rich blessing on us. And we pray that our worship will be acceptable to you and will rise to you uh, as, a, as a sweet aroma. In Jesus' name, amen. Read from Romans in a, in a moment. And one of the verses that um, we're going to read is around, um, I think, around approaching God's throne in confidence. And you know, we, we are here today in God's presence. Um, and we can do that. We can come before our God the creator of the universe, in confidence, knowing that uh, he does love us, every single one of us, like, like Steve has just said as well. Um, so I'd like us to sing uh, again from the hymn book this time, the Green Hymn Book 153. 
Lord, when we meet to worship thee before us, let thy glory pass. Proclaim thy mercy, rich and free. In Jesus, may we see thy face. And verse 3, thy throne, although it's so high, we know to be a throne of grace in confidence. We now draw an eye and worship out the meeting place. Let's do that. Let's worship together. Uh, so Rosie's going to come and lead our reading together now, uh, which is Romans 15. Um, and then we're going to skip the little first bit of, of chapter 16 and then finish chapter 16 from 17 to the end. So Romans 15 and 16 for the most part. Romans 15. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbour for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs, so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge and competent to instruct one another. I've written to you quite boldly on some points, as if to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me, to be a minister to Christ of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit. So, from Jerusalem all the way round to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. 
It's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I'd not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. That's why I've often been hindered from coming to you. But now there's no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I've been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I've completed this task and have made sure they've received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Verse 17 of chapter 16. I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you've learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I'm full of joy over you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends his greetings to you, as to Lucius, Jason, and Sospater, my relatives. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, send you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus send you their greetings. Now, to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey him. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Rosie. So I think the reference that made me choose the last hymn is in one of the other chapters Andrew mentioned to me, which you haven't read yet. Andrew's going to be talking to us about uh, one of the things referred to in chapter 15 there about the spirit of unity. So, uh, and he suggested we might sing together. Uh, 
Jesus, stand among us at the meeting of our lives. Be our sweet agreement at the meeting of our eyes. Jesus, we love you, so we gather here. Join our hearts in unity and take away our fear. Father, I I pray that you will uh, bless Andrew now as he comes to speak to us. Speak your words through him, we pray, and open our hearts to his words. In Jesus' name, amen. I heard a lovely expression this morning, just listening to the radio. It was some people in the church, and they said, Lord, help us to show Jesus to one another. And I thought that's a really nice expression, if we could uh, get hold of that and try and do that. So, good morning, everybody. Nice nice to see you. Um, last Sunday was my turn to uh, lead the Bible topic, and we looked at the question, is the Bible relevant? And in my preparations for uh, last Sunday, I was talking while out with uh, some of our family, and somebody commented, if anybody wants to know God, they have to read the Bible, don't they? They have to open the Bible. And I thought, that's obvious, really, isn't it? So obviously, we don't, we don't um, appreciate it. We have to look at the Bible to see what God is saying to us, um, to get to know God and Jesus. And that simple observation really struck home to me. We need to read our Bible in order to keep in conversation with God and with Jesus, don't we? So how much we read it, of course, is up to the individual. It's not for me to say where we read it and when we read it. It's not for me to say, but I thought it is important we try and read our Bibles and get to know what God is Um, saying to us. And I mention this because as we've read with Rose in in Romans chapter 15, we read some very encouraging words. Um, In the previous chapter, Paul's been talking about those with weak faith and strong faith and accepting one another in this spirit of unity. And we read in Romans 15 verse 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Jesus Christ had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some other Uh, translation say with this unity of the spirit and it's so important that isn't it that we have this unity it's not saying the same thing it's just having this unity of going along together some people might see things slightly differently there others there but together we move forward and a little further on paul said these wonderful words in verse 13 may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Overflowing with hope. What what a thought. What a fantastic expression to be overflowing with hope. I know there are lots of days and that's far from me. I'm, I'm quite pessimistic at times. Oh, what's going to happen? We should be overflowing with hope, shouldn't we? And I think this is the joy that... Uh, Paul is talking about here, we can be a bit fed up with things, but that joy is so deep-seated. It's different to happiness, isn't it? That joy, even when we're facing big obstacles in life, can be there and help us to bubble up and overflow with hope. Hope of a place in God's kingdom could be. 
Sure, we need to build our lives, don't we? We need to make plans. We have to think about the future, don't we? As young people, we have to think about our studies, our careers, what's going to happen next year, where are we heading. As adults, we have to think about a roof over our heads, food on the table, our health, and if we have a family, you know, what lies ahead there. But all these things can be brought together in that hope, can't they? They can be linked to God and Jesus. They can be bonded in. So they don't have to be another life outside what we do on Sundays, do they? We don't have to think, well, on Sundays we do church, on Mondays and Tuesdays we have to think about this. We need to bring them together. We don't really need a part of our life for uh, God and the other part for Jesus. What we're being exhorted to is to bring them all together um, and have this one life, this hope. But it can easily happen, can't it? It does easily happen, doesn't it? Where our life starts to fragment. But all these cares and concerns can be brought together in the hope of Jesus. They can, can't they? They can be there, but with Christ involved in the decision making, this hope can be there. We can rest in confidence. What do, what do we think? What then takes place in us, I think, is that Christ begins to move to the centre of our lives rather than being on the, on the uh, periphery. And that is a good thing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. It's a big word, that trust, isn't it? So that you may overflow with the hope of the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of hope, fill us with joy and peace as we trust in him. What a wonderful expression. Does it hold up though when we face another manic week? Another week coping with stress or financial worries? But we can be joyful, as I say, when things aren't going too well. We can be peaceful because though it's even tough, he is there next to us. He hurts when we hurt. But God can see the outcome. I was thinking as Neil was introducing us to this morning about David towards the end of his life. David thought, I'm going to build a big house for God. It's going to be great. And the prophet came to and said, God's got an even better plan. You're talking about a house of wood and stone. He's talking about a house of people. And somebody who's going to rule over the earth will be part of your family. That's the household I'm thinking about. God thinks so much outside the box, doesn't he? So let us be joyful because we know he's there next to us and we can only see a little bit of what he can see fully for each one of us. I think it's a case of holding on, isn't it, when perhaps we're a bit shaky, a bit wobbly. It's, it's about holding on. And that's easier said than done, I know. Perhaps we could just turn with me, please, to the, the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3. <clears throat> now, if you've got a book from the back of the room, it's on page 1202. Or roundabout there. Hebrews chapter 2 and... Um, well, chapter 3, sorry, yeah. It's 
a few verses around in, the, in these uh, opening chapters of Hebrews that are quite relevant to what I wanted to think about this morning. Um, in chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, we read that uh, Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of what of which we boast. Moses, of course, was really important in the history of Israel, but he was just in the house. But we're told here that uh, Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. He overarched it all and brought it all together. And we are in this house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. And a few verses around here that are worthwhile looking at for our encouragement at the end of Hebrews chapter 3, the beginning of Hebrews chapter 4. We talked earlier about hearing what God has to say by looking at our Bibles. Um, How do we know we are part of God's house then? Let's look at verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 3. Christ is faithful as a son over God's house and we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. So first of all, let's try and hold on to the things that brought us to Jesus in the first place. And what practical action is needed for us to hold on to our courage? Well, let's look at verse 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So that's another clue, isn't it? The writer's saying about what happened in Old Testament times, but the exhortation to us is to listen to God's voice. Let's listen out for what he's saying to us. And don't harden our hearts. Don't say, oh, that's not for me, not today. I'll do that another day. And also in chapter 4, at verse 7 of, of Hebrews, we read... Therefore, uh, God set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. It's about listening out and thinking, what would, what would Jesus do? What would God do in this situation? And how can we help each other then, brethren and sisters? Well, chapter 3, verse 13 talks about encouraging one another, doesn't it? But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Let's encourage one another, and if we can see one another having uh, some difficulty, then let's help each other if we can. Because we read in Romans 15, didn't we? May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, or this unity of the Spirit, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. So, we're thinking about listening out for the voice of Jesus. And we're thinking about holding on. Yeah? Okay. Um,
couple those thoughts then with what I mentioned earlier about overflowing with hope rather than keeping the commitments of our lives for Jesus and other parts of our lives for ourselves. Let's, you know, the stuff that we want to do is outside of what Jesus wants us to do. Let's think about bringing these things together. For in the, the rest of Hebrews chapter 3, um, the writer talks about this hardness of heart of the children of Israel. After they had been led out of Egypt in such a miraculous way, they passed through the Red Sea in, in a you know, really miraculous way. They'd seen Pharaoh defeated. They had rebelled after all those things. And it's easy for us to sit here and say, we wouldn't have done that. We'd have been faithful right to the end. It's easy to look back, isn't it? You know, the, the same problems face us as well. They let go of all that God had done for them. They let it go for things that they thought were more important. For things that they thought were more suitable, more immediate, more uh, pleasurable. And of course that moved them away from, from our Heavenly Father. So in verse 18 of Hebrews 3, we read about a rest. We read... So to whom did God swear that they would never enter into his rest if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Because of the fact that they threw everything away that God offered them, we we know that the, the people wandered about in the wilderness until they'd all passed away. They didn't enter into that uh, promised land that God had prepared for them we read so they were unable to enter because of their unbelief so what is this rest then that uh, the writer's talking about here I think there are several things going on God offered people's arrest I think the Greek word is catapausis it's not life forever sitting in a deck chair with a nice cold drink and little paper palm tree in your drink, you know, having a really nice rest. But a rest in the form of a life full of blessings. Far beyond the life that we can ever live without God in our lives. It's about being at peace with Jesus. And to obtain this rest, trust and obedience are necessary. We have to trust, we have to hold on to our faith. And thirdly, we have to listen out for the voice of Jesus and God in our lives. That might come from somebody else in our family, mightn't it? God speaks to us in all sorts of ways. We're encouraged not to become hard-hearted like those people in Old Testament times and we might think, oh, that's not going to happen to me. Well, it could easily happen to us. We can become self-seeking and perhaps inward-looking, impatient, knowing what we're looking at is the best for us at the moment. Just let me tell you a little story. It's called, Is Anybody Else Up There? There's this man, Sam, walking along a steep cliff. One day he got accidentally close to the edge of this cliff and um, he fell. And on his way down, he thought, oh, this is going to be bad. 
And he reached out and he got hold of this quite stout tree, but it slowly began to bend and then he went up again. His bend, he was hanging on there. And he looked down and to his horror, he sees many, many feet below the bottom of this canyon or cliff, whatever, what he's fallen off the edge of. There was no way up for him to climb, so he's stuck. So Sam begins yelling for help that somebody passing by up at the top would hear. Perhaps they'd lower a rope down to him and haul him up. Help! Help! Is anybody there? He calls out. This goes on for a while. Help! Help! He's crying out. No one heard him. When he's just about to give up and he hears this voice. Sam! Sam, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. I'm down here. Yeah, I can see you, Sam. I know you're down there. Are you all right? Yes, yes. But who are you? I'm the Lord. I'm everywhere. The Lord? You mean God? That's me. God, please help me. I promise if you get me down from here, I'll stop sinning. I'll be a really good person. I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Whoa, 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 Sam. Just easy on the promises. Let's get you off the cliff and then we can have a talk. Now, here's what I want you to do. Listen carefully. I'll do anything, Lord. Lord, I'll do anything. Just tell me what to do. I'll do anything. Yeah, okay, okay. Listen carefully. Okay? So he said, okay. Let go of the branch. What? I said... Let go of the branch. There was a long silence. Then Sam said, Help, help, is there anybody else up there? And sometimes we can be like that, can't we? We can't trust enough. We can keep God in certain areas of our lives, but not everywhere. We won't fully let go. We won't let go of the things around us that we like, we enjoy. That's my time. All these things or the way we want to go in our work for the Lord when we know perhaps deep inside it perhaps ought to be a bit more that way. Yeah, but we're we're better at this. We won't let go sometimes, will we? And where does that bring us then, brothers and sisters, as individuals and as a church family? Do we become more inward-looking, focused on things that suit us as individuals and as a, as a church? And do we draw back from what is around us? Are we resting a bit too early in our walk before the Lord as a church or as, indiv- as individuals? Are we concentrating on the me and the us side of things? A similar word for rest or catapauses is Shabbat, which is the Hebrew for where we get our Sabbath. But the message is the same. Be diligent to enter the Lord's Sabbath, we're told in in Hebrews. Labour to enter that rest is another translation. But that involves trusting, doesn't it, and holding on. And sometimes letting go of things that we think are our only lifeline. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1, we read, 
Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, and it still stands for us today, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. I put it to you then, brothers and sisters, our life is not the Sabbath rest at the moment. It's not the catapauses or the sabbat at the moment. We are called to be diligent to work at entering that enter to enter into that rest. That rest is the peace of God's kingdom. Now we've been lifted up to heavenly places, so that peace can come into our lives now, can't it? And we read about that. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful that peace of Christ can be in us now. And I think that's where this joy can spring from. So let's work to enter into that rest that we know will come at the return of Jesus. And remind ourselves that we read in Romans, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. Overflowing with hope. Letting go of those things that perhaps we we like to hang on to because they're familiar to us. And perhaps they're not getting us anywhere really, but they feel good to have in our lives, don't they? A unity of the Spirit. Harmony and effectiveness. Showing Jesus to one another. Encouraging one another. Not saying, oh, that's a silly idea. There might be something in it. It's not always the majority that are right, is it? So let's work together as a church and as individuals showing that hope which has been revealed to us, to those around us, where God has planted us, here in Old Trafford, and to the people that we meet day by day. Thanks, Neil. Verse 9 of Hebrews 4 says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his.